just selling stuff to sell stuff, I, I don't think it's very exciting. I think selling stuff because you're into it and you see the value in it, I think that's where it becomes really interesting. So we started off being a 1% for the Planet member with 1% going to CPAWS, Canada Parks and Wilderness Societies. That was Joël Desgrenier and Gavin Harmacy, and this is episode 53 of the Inspired Souls podcast. Hi, I'm Carolyn, and I'm a roadrunner. And I'm Kim, and I'm a trail runner. Welcome to our podcast, where we bring the communities of trail and road running together and explore the parallels between running and life. It's always fascinating to us how interconnected the running community is across space, time, and genre. While in Manitoba, I kept hearing the name Gavin dropped whenever anyone talked about sourcing high-quality and hard-to-find running gear and product in Canada. You just need to check out Gavin's store. They'll have it. Over the years, I have placed regular orders to ski uphill, run uphill in Canmore, and whenever I'm in town, it's the first place I stop. In fact, the trail running store in any town is often the community hub, the first place out-of-town trail runners stop for information, naps, and last-minute run fuel, and the place where locals meet up for epic adventures. Gavin Harmacy works for Apple and is originally from Manitoba, while Joël de Grenier is a physiotherapist and is originally from Quebec. When they partnered up and opened their shop in Canmore, they did so with a crystalline sense of purpose and a passion. They both love the mountains and have built a business, a community, and a life centered around helping people get outside and do fun things year-round. In this episode, we talk about what drew them to Canmore, what it's like to be run and ski shop owners, and how they choose the brands they stock. And of course, given Joelle is a PT, we have to talk about shoes. We also discuss how backcountry skiing and running can complement each other seasonally how the store has grown to be so much more than that, and their future plans for their thriving business. Whether you are a roadrunner or a trail runner, you know how important your local running store is. And we talk to two men who have a mission for community service disguised as a business. Cue this one up, put in those earbuds, and hit play as you run, because this one is inspiring. So Gavin and Joelle, welcome to the Inspired Souls podcast. We're so happy to have you join us today. Thanks for having us. Great to be here. Thanks for inviting us. So it's it's been a long time in coming. Um, as I mentioned just a few minutes ago, we, Gavin, Carolyn and I all hail from Winnipeg at one point in our lives. And we've heard so much about you both and your running store there in Canmore. And uh, we can't wait to hear your running story and and a little bit about what's going on there um, in Canmore. So let's start off with, can you each just tell us a little bit about yourselves? So we'll start with Gavin. Sure. Um, I guess, uh, like you said, I'm originally from Winnipeg. Uh, always wanted to move to the mountains when we came out here for ski trips and absolutely love um, everything to do with outdoor sports in the mountains. I originally moved, I guess, with Starbucks. I was a district manager with them for years and years and years, and then joined Apple, I guess, 11 years ago, where I'm still from. I'm still working at, uh, at Apple as a senior manager. Uh, and then we, Joel and I met, and uh, we decided after dating for eight months, we'd create this crazy store in Canmore called Run well, Ski Uphill. And then, of course, what do you do with your time in the summer? Uh, you create a running store called Run Uphill. And that's when I think we helped a lot of people get out there and do fun things, uh, but sometimes maybe struggle getting out there ourselves because we're helping so many people get out there. 
So when, uh, we'll hear jo- from Joelle here in a moment, but when did you um, move out to Canmore and open the store? Yeah, so I moved out to Canmore, I guess, five years ago. I've been in Alberta now for about 13. Um, okay. And we opened the store, yeah, five years ago. Um, kind of had an idea coming back from a ski trip in the, the U.S. and loved a fun little store down, well, not little store, I guess, uh, um, a store down in uh, in Utah. Uh, and we came back and all of our friends were buying cool gear that you couldn't find anywhere besides Europe uh, or them. Uh, and we decided to, uh, to open our own business uh, in March. And uh, it finally came about in September uh, after a lot of work and, uh, and renos throughout the summer as well. And the business in the States is called Schemo.co. Uh, schemo.co. So they do a lot of ski mountaineering and now into running as well. So they just opened up a, a running side of their business. Well, I definitely want to talk a lot more about that, how the, the two disciplines um, are compatible and actually can can help each other. But let's hear from Joelle now. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, um, I am from a town called Rivière du Loup. I always say that people from the Maritimes know exactly where it is because you have to go through it if you go to New Brunswick or uh, uh, Nova Scotia. Uh, but yeah, so I was born in Rivière-du-Dou and I, I went to university in Quebec City, Laval University, so Rougiard runner here. Um, and I dabbled in triathlon. Uh, it's the ITU kind of elite triathlon for a couple seasons. Then I bike raced a bunch uh, at the same time as I was finishing my uh, degree in master's. And then I worked about, what, a year and a half in Quebec City in a private practice. And then... Uh, I don't know, just like didn't want to, you know, spend my life in the city uh, doing some like nine to six or eight to five. So I just uh, I saw an offer for a physio contract here in town at a clinic called uh, Rocky Mountain Rehab uh, on, on Main Street here in Canmore. And I just uh, applied and uh, I don't know, somehow I, I got the job. So uh, that's how I ended up in Canmore. So I moved, um, I want to say January 2016. I packed my car and I, I drove across the country and I ended up in Canmore. And did you know anyone when you moved out there? Uh, yes and no, right? Like I, I do have a lot of friends who um, have been at some point Nordic skiers. Mm-hmm. So Canmore is a big town for biathlon and uh, and Nordic skiing. You know, the national teams and a lot of development programs are based out of Canmore. So a lot of my buddies in town had at least been there a couple of times. And I did have one or two people I knew from back home in Quebec City who were established here you know, working for Nordic Canada, working for Buff, uh, working for some companies here that are like well-known among skiers. Awesome. Well, and and I'm sure we'll get into this, but you eventually um, opened the store, right? So instead of working nine to six, now you just work like 24-7? All the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, basically. But yeah, like I I was really lucky. Like when I I, I was in university, I I actually worked as a bike mechanic for a few seasons down uh, in like a, a road racing kind of shop. And then I was like, I had the crazy opportunity to work with Le Coureur Nordique, which is an institution in Quebec City nowadays, uh, right when it opened, right? So those guys opened probably a bit over 10 years ago. And they went from like the small shop on the corner of the street to like the place to go in Quebec City and in the province for like road racing and track and field and trail and everything. So I worked there for about six months. And that was a super cool experience to work with Jim and a bunch of like incredible athletes. Mm. Very, very cool. Well, so we we kind of heard a little bit about your running origin story, but Gavin, how about um, how about your running origin story? How did you get into running? Yeah, I guess um, I didn't really do a lot of um, like 
uh, high performance uh, training or anything like that when I was younger. Uh, we did uh, a lot of the Raid the North Extreme adventure races. Um, had a lot of friends that would do um, some of the worlds, like your Mark Bernay uh, World Adventure Races racing on Team Subaru Canada. So we did a lot of that. And then there was this cool sport called ultra running that kind of popped up. And I remember the first time, actually, a friend in Winnipeg, uh, Barb Sousa, um, mm. we would run. Uh, I think she was out running for five hours. So I joined her for an hour and a half and then went for breakfast with a friend and then came back and joined her for another hour and a half. And I was like, oh, OK, like that's I guess what you do. And uh, my buddy Mike and I started doing a little bit more adventure races. We uh, saw the Barkley and, and uh, decided to sign up. And I think the race filled up like the day before probably with a few of Laz's friends, but it was before the Barkley was the Barkley. Uh, what year was this? Uh, this would be 2005, 2008, somewhere in there. Um, uh, one day we'll frame your pages, Gavin. We have like all the pages and like the stuff that he collected on the first lap of the Barkley, but we haven't framed them yet. We want to oh, put them on the, on the wall so at some point. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So let's just go there now. Tell us about this. Sure. So, um, I guess it's uh, it's a race that I think most people probably don't finish because they've eaten raw chicken. Uh, so Laz will make his hand basted raw chicken the night before, and um, and he like he literally hand bastes it and cooks it. And however it comes out, that's how you eat it because you're not going to insult the man. Um, comes across as really like backwoods, but not like super super smart. I think CMA background, uh, both him and his wife, uh, um, Big's Backyard, which Mike raced a couple years ago and I was support for him uh, when like Courtney DeWalter was out there and doing squats at hundred miles and that. Uh, but like you, you show up and the race I think was $20. I think we're the only Manitobans with the license plate still hanging on his license plate wall. And uh, he wanted, he did the race because he was an accountant and he just really wanted to like make $20 for, to pay for the chicken and uh, get uh, clothes to help him for his job. So every year it'd be like, you'd get, you have to bring like a nice tie or you have to bring a, a few pairs of dress socks. Our year it was a dress shirt. So size 16 and a half, 34, 35. Uh, that was the size of dress shirts. Everyone brought a dress shirt and he had dress shirts for the year. And then he blew the whistle and we all had to go running. So uh, we did a lap and a half and then had to turn around because we were just dying. Um, and for us, like being uh, back then uh, from Winnipeg, we would go out to Spring Hill and run up and down Spring Hill with like doo-doo coils. For those that don't know, like doo-doo coils are those mosquito things because mosquitoes are the size of like elephants or birds in Manitoba. Uh, they're crazy. And then we would run laps at, um, at Birds Hill Park and until you, yeah. you kind of lost count, 16 hours type thing. Um, and then from there, like we did things like the Canadian death race, uh, and finished and, 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 uh, and did, did some fun things like that. So, uh, quite... so did you and Mike do, do the Barclays, like you stayed together for the time that you were out there? We did. Yeah. And for the death okay. race as well. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, we've actually talked a little bit about the Barclays on the podcast. So some of our listeners, our longtime listeners will know right. about it as well, as well as many of our listeners just know about it. But I'm just curious about what it was like in 2005 versus now like what are your thoughts on that what's changed well i think what it it uh, like it's become this huge crazy iconic race and i think yeah. laz likes that because we're all human and we all like the idea of like people want to come to our race and they show up at our party and we're not alone like people i think that's why um i think he likes it but i actually think he's like he liked when it was small and people didn't know about it and like he wouldn't have to hand pick from 2000 people. So I think like that that's changed. But I'll right. also say there's two different 
um, streams of thought in the ultra community. And there's one is I'm going to finish the race, which I would say in my fitness now, I am in that category, which I, I, I appreciate the fact that you can do it. But then the second category is you go and you come in second, right? Or you win and you place. And I think like that's, there's also something to be said about that. And I think that hits a deeper down, more exciting place where like, you're not going there just to run. You're going there like to run against people. And and like, there's that, like you're passing people. And I'm by no means a, a fast person compared to Joel, but even racing in, in, uh, in Chamonix, Marathon de Mont Blanc, like I started in the, the 3000 wave and I passed like 1500 people in the race. And that's like, that's a cool thing to, to do that. And actually to like put, I didn't, place or anything like that but like that's a cool school of thought as well and i think the berkeley now is more about finishing than it is about like actually like deep down athlete racing right yeah the backyard the big's backyard is almost more about the competitive part and barclays is still the winner 95 percent of the time right so so that's cool so you you're you're trail runner you're you know how to go long um are you still running long distances are you still racing um well racing's been hard this year we've sponsored a lot of races but a lot of them have been canceled (laughs) um last race i guess we probably would have done would be marathon du mont blanc uh which was uh two years ago uh, in france uh, and then, of course, everything just went sideways from there. We were signed up for uh, Run the Ruts. Uh, we were signed up uh, down in, in, in uh, uh, the U.S. We were signed up, hopefully, to maybe like look at doing the CCC because we had points for it. Uh, I was supposed we were to be there at... this year. <laughs> I know, right? We have one of our uh, our massage therapists at our store, uh, Kevin Jansen, that uh, that raced um, uh, the, the full distance this year, 172 kilometers UTMB, UTMB and finished, yeah. I think, in 35 hours, which is really exciting, but... That's awesome. So still, still run not as much as I'd like to this year. I think with the growth that we've had and with the expansion of our store and renos, it's been a tough year. Uh, lots on the go for sure. So Joelle, tell us a little bit about your running origin story since this is a running podcast. <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess like Gavin and I come from like really different backgrounds. Uh, I, I did a little bit of track and field uh, back in high school, right? Track and field cross country. And then, you know, a, all the way to like university and i remember um you know watching simon whitfield win his second medal at beijing 2008 at the triathlon and i was like damn this is what i want to do like i want to do triathlon so uh like you know the day after i finished uh, cgep in quebec i just moved to quebec city and started training with the, the triathlon club at the university so yeah a couple years uh later uh triathlon is a really cool sport but uh, if you study full-time and triathlon full-time, uh, I don't know how this is possible. Um, you know, really quickly, you end up doing 20, 25 hours a week. You swim every morning, uh, you bike every day almost, and you try to run 100Ks on top of that. And that was, like, not super feasible. So I kind of put that, uh, you know, behind me. And then uh, just, you know, running is a tricky sport when you're, when you're young, I think, because it's either you're, you know, really good at it. Or you don't, I, I found my, myself not quite understanding, you know, the people always say, oh, be patient. And like, it takes years to improve and get better and, and actually like, like it, maybe like in a more meaningful kind of deep down way. Right. And I like to think that I was too young to maybe understand that. And I got kind of bored of not progressing fast enough. So um, when I moved here to Camor, I, I'd, I'd been running some road and not quite trail because it wasn't 
like a crazy huge scene like five years ago you know like out east it's really exploded in the past like three four years um but before 2015 it was still like there was a couple events but uh, it wasn't a big circuit and the faster people were still racing like road and track mostly um but yeah moved here and then um well the first thing i did when i moved to camar is i sold my road bike because there's two streets um and then i brought all my trail shoes because i was like there's hundreds of kilometers of trails so yeah um i didn't run that much trail uh before then like i ran like snowshoe running which is a big thing in quebec mm -hmm. and i i would go to like workouts and i but i would run like quite you know just casually kind of not super consistently um and then i remember when i met gavin um we met like in august and then um gavin had friends racing lost souls in Lethbridge. Mm -hmm. So Gavin went to uh, Lethbridge to uh, support Mike, who was racing 100Ks because it is a Western States golden ticket, right? Yes. And uh, so <laughs> Gavin shows up and then uh, Caroline Weeb was there and she had a broken ankle or a broken yep. leg. And then <laughs> she went to the race organizer and she told him, I found someone to race tomorrow. Here's Gavin. And Gavin was like, what do you mean I'm racing tomorrow? <laughs> so <laughs> Gavin messaged me. He's like, I'm racing a 50K tomorrow, I guess. And then that was Friday morning and I was out of the clinic like later that day. So I was like, well, how the hell are you supposed to race 50 K after crewing overnight, hundred K. So I drove down to Lethbridge with like a lunch and dinner and a bunch of stuff. And then, um, I kind of took over a bit of the crewing for him with Mike. And then the next morning he ran 50 Ks. Yeah. Uh, Carolyn yeah. told me this story about a week ago about how she just, yeah, you want my tip? Sure. Why not? That's the old Trotter mentality. Don't, don't bother with the why. It's the why not. <laughs> yeah. So that was the first time I'd been to an ultra. And I have to say, Leadbridge was quite impressive because they have amazing aid stations. Like everything you can think of is there at the feed zone. It's crazy. <laughs> Then what, like, I think like six weeks later, we had the Grizzly Ultra here um, and it's a 50K. And I was like, that looks kind of fun. So I just signed up and I did like a block of four weeks of training. And then I raised the Grizzly Ultra with Gavin. And then that was like, oh, okay, this is kind of fun. So yeah, since I've been uh, running, I like to say I'm still a roadrunner, but I've been running 50-50, uh, let's say. Let's put it that way. A true hybrid. Well, that makes you a perfect guest for our podcast. Yeah. We, we, uh, <laughs> we're 50-50 between the two of us. So, wow. Okay. So you both sound like very interesting people and you've mentioned your store multiple times. Um, tell us a little bit more about Ski Uphill, Run Uphill. So you mentioned, Gavin, that it started out as Ski Uphill, turned into Run Uphill. Tell us a little bit about how it got started. Initially, we when I we moved, I think both both of us moved here. Um, it's such a hub for a lot of sports, but there wasn't really much resources. And I, when you go, you know, you go to the U.S., you go to Moab, you go to Chamonix, you go to like those iconic destinations, and you always have a place where you can go ask for trails, buy spare tubes and nutrition and whatnot, and and the gear you break or you might need, and then somewhere that you can kind of join a crew uh, if you're visiting or if you're moving there. And in Camor, we didn't quite feel like we had that. There was a running store a, a little bit before the flood in 2013, and I don't think they didn't reopen afterwards. And then uh, there was not really a dedicated kind of, I like to say, human-powered adventures store, like for, you know, skiing and then, and then trail running. And 
it, it just gets annoying to just order online all the time for backcountry and, and, for, and for running. So that was kind of like the start of the idea. So you recognized there was a void, there was a, a need. And then what made you guys decide to like, let's be entrepreneurs, let's open a store? Well, I think we were driving back from doing a schemo race in Utah, in Salt Lake City. And um, uh, we were bringing gear back from all of our friends. And every day we were down there, uh, we were in the store. And uh, like at one point, Jason, the owner was like, are you guys like just doing a research trip here? Because like, why, why are you in the store so often? We're just like, we just really, really love uh, the store and, and sort of the vibe of it. Uh, and on the way back, we're like, we should do this as well, because we probably have $3,000 worth of gear uh, in the back of our car, bringing it back to Canada. Uh, so we decided to, we were looking at different names and what should we call it? And one of the common hashtags for backcountry skiing is ski uphill. Uh, and then, of course, as a, uh, a fun summer uh, tag, we'd call it run uphill because uh, there's mountains in that as well. So uh, as we uh, were, were thinking of names, Ski Up Hill rang a bell and we incorporated the business. As we're driving back from Utah, you have 15 hours to, to do that. And um, and that was, I guess it would be in March, uh, we incorporated the business. And then in September that year, we found a spot and uh, finished some renos with my brother and sister-in-law uh, from Winnipeg out here and, uh, and opened the business. And I think that was the, the impetus was we couldn't find really great gear um, and gear that we loved and we tried and tested, it all seemed to be about margins or what their friends were wearing versus the right shoe or the right ski um, and on the lighter side as well um, uh, for, for both. So it started off with gear. And then we, the more we talked about it, we really realized, as Joel was saying, that we just didn't have the community either. So we wanted to be that place where people came. And that's some of the stuff we do now, Avalanche uh, Awareness Nights, where we talk about snowpack layers. Um, we have lots of different conversations around running and running resources. And uh, should you be on a, a thick shoe or a thin shoe? Should you be running what your friends run on or a shoe that's made for your anatomy? And Joel, being a physiotherapist, uh, has been really great at, at, of course, training your team to, uh, to help diagnose that or, or recommend uh, something confidently as well. Yeah, I think to just jump on what you said, like, you know, you go to Salt Lake City, it's a good example. You go to Salt Lake City in the winter and there's a ski related event almost every day. So, you know, you go to visit or you live there and you have opportunities to connect with the community like multiple times a week. Mm -hmm. um, you go to Chamonix and you go trail running and it's the same thing, right? And and you go to Camor and it's like, it's it's such a crazy competition oriented town with like a ton of amazing athletes and just people doing super cool stuff. And then like, you're like, oh, like how come there's like, you know, one run group on, on mm -hmm. one night of the, of the week, but there's kind of nothing else. Right. And, and that's really where we, we were like, oh, well, this is how come it's not a hub, you know, as a town for mountain sports, because it, it should be right. Yeah. Well, I always find this fascinating when we talk to people who've opened businesses and just to hear the the background to it all. Right. So you spoke about like, oh, there's nowhere to go for gear. I've got to order all my gear online. And then it morphed and evolved into like, no, we want to be. So what you thought you were opening the store for, what I'm trying to say is what you thought you were opening it for was just like to sell stuff. And then you realize, no, there's like a heart and soul to this place. Like it's where the people come, it's where they all connect and it's where events take place out of and it, you can get your questions answered and it's like a community, right? Is that, that's what I, I'm hearing you say. So it's come, become so much more than just a place to sell stuff. Well, I think like, I don't know if we ever were a business that was about selling stuff, but it was about finding the gear that we wanted 
that didn't explode or lasted or was made for the Rockies. So I think it was more about that. Like, and we actually, in our first two years, had um, a business coach from Business Development Bank of Canada that like help us be okay asking to sell stuff because um, like it's never been about that for us. It's about getting the right gear to get people out there. But then the right. community piece we also noticed was also missing in just as as important of a way. And then we also sort of had that guiding piece of we, we were reading at the time um, Yvonne Schwenard's Let My People Go Surfing. Uh, so we started off being a 1% for the Planet member uh, with uh, 1% going to CEPAS, Canada Parks and Wilderness Society. Mm-hmm. So we said we wanted to be in a, especially in a mountain town, a pristine mountain town, we wanted to make sure we did as little harm as we could. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then this year uh, we'll be a climate neutral certified for uh, zero uh, zero um, emissions from, from climate um uh, offsets. So I think like that, those were the sort of the three things that kind of were mixed together in the huge pot of opening a business uh, that we were kind of toiling with and, and trying to figure out and are still trying to figure out as we go. So you're filling a need, you know, yeah. a need for people with their gear, a need for people for community, mm-hmm. a need for the planet to have sustainable um, practices by everybody. So you've answered my question there about what are your values and your mission, but yes, I can, I can definitely, um, identify with, with your feelings there of going to a a town, (laughs) you know, I was in Flagstaff a few years ago to train for just a week. And the very first thing we did was we drove into town and went to run Flagstaff to get the map, to get the the beta on the, the best runs and, you know, pick up a few gels that we'd forgotten to pack or whatever. Like that was the very first stop in town. And uh, I can actually say that I've visited your store as my very first stop in town, many trips through through Canmore, um, particularly to get spring energy. So on that note, <laughs> um, you stock a lot of products that are the very first, if only, place in Canada that I can get some of the products that I've wanted to get. You seem to be very mindful about which products you you do stock in your store. You know, it's you don't have fifteen different versions of a thing. You'll have two or three. So, how do you both skiing and running gear or product wise? What criteria do you use to choose what you decide to sell? Uh, I'm a, a incredible gear geek. Like I can spend like days and days and days and days looking at catalogs and like, you know, following brands and like, I, I'm, yeah, I have a problem. <laughs> um, it does. So I, I, I think like, you know, when you open a small business, uh, the first thing is like, we, we just talked about the community aspect and like being a hub and, and those kind of things. And I think like the kind of retail 2.0, right? Like, you know, why, why would you not go to just sports experts or sport check or MEC to buy exactly the same thing as you'd buy at ski uphill or run uphill? Well, probably because at run uphill ski uphill, they're going to give you like a better advice, hopefully. And then they're going to like do your, all your service right away. They'll chat about what you're up to about avalanche conditions or, you know, what trail you're going on. And they're going to tell you they've been there maybe and like, or they heard reports. So there's all that like knowledge sharing part, mm-hmm. but also with small business comes the challenge that first you have limited square footage and money. Um, mm-hmm. And then second, I'm a terrible sales salesman. Like I, I hate selling stuff. I love talking about gear I hate selling stuff. So if I have a product in my shop that I'm like, okay, it's all right. Like people like it, so we'll carry it. I live in this store. (laughs) Am I going to sell it very well? Probably not. So I think like for us, 
the really important thing. And like when we do all the buys, it's with the employees because we want to make sure everybody has stuff that they're like, oh my God, I'm so excited about this. And there's reasons why we carry certain shoes and we don't carry certain other shoes. And it's the same for skis. And it's the same for basically a lot of the stuff that we have. If if we haven't like either tried it ourselves and liked it, or we're not like, this is so cool. I need this like on me right now then why would you bother, right? Because you can just go buy it anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that, that is, I think, kind of where the, the, the yeah. kind of curated product line comes comes in. And then like we have the staff give up give us a lot of feedback, like James and Becca, Alex and Seth and these guys. They always like, you know, oh, have you seen the, like that new company that's doing this thing? And you're like, oh, wow, that's cool. And then, you know, next thing you know, you're like, hey, we should really work with these guys. Like what they're doing is super interesting. So yeah, that that's that's a little bit the, the philosophy. I think just selling stuff to sell stuff because it works or because it's known, I, I don't think it's very exciting. I think selling stuff because you're into it and you're you love what it is and, and you see the value in it, I think that's where it becomes really interesting. Yeah. So you you mentioned the shoes. Uh, so I thought we could maybe dig into that a little bit more because what could be more personal to a runner than the shoes that they wear on their feet. And there's so much confusion, I think, around shoes too. Like which ones are the right ones for me? So could you talk a little bit about maybe which shoes that you stock, maybe how you help runners choose the shoes that are going to be right for them? Hmm. Um, It's so difficult. Shoes are like the when you when you think about like skiing and running you know you always think oh skiing is super like super complicated like people are like really difficult and tricky and stuff and skiing is actually very like simple in a way and running is so so complicated like (laughs) trail runners get influenced by trends like 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 triathletes it's insane um so yeah it's, it's actually super interesting um I think now, like, hold on, uh, back up. You think trail runners get influenced by trends more than road runners? Oh my God, yes. I actually agree. I just wanted to clarify that. <laughs> yeah, oh my God, 100%. You know, uh, um, I do think there's like a thing with, with road running that we're seeing with the super shoes trend, you know, the Vaporflies and, and, and other companies uh, just like releasing those like super pricey carbon shoes for our racing exclusive. But before these past couple of years, Road running was actually super simple, right? You just ran in whatever you felt was comfortable and felt fast. Or if you didn't care about racing, then you'd run in whatever feels good. Uh, now it's a bit di- different, but uh, like trail running is like that. It's like one brand and it's like the next year, it's like everything everybody wants. And then a couple of years down the road, oh, it's something new, right? You, you do get that kind of, you know, wanting to be part of the group, wanting to like, be part of the club um, mentality that that is is pretty specific I'd say to ultra running uh, and it, it's very very interesting to actually like look at that I see trail running as being very polarized you're either a minimalist or a hoka like a maximalist kind of person yeah. and there's like the pendulum like has swung from here way over to here and um, I don't see that kind of polarization in shoes at least in the road running community. Yeah, there's definitely more of a consensus when it comes to road running. Like everything that's so polarized, I think the solution is somewhere in the middle. When I worked in a running shop, I was in university. As a physio, I was like, minimalist, like is the way to go, kind of. But obviously, you're not going to 
you know, recommend the five fingers, like super, super thin shoes to everybody, but it's definitely an interesting tool. I think on the other hand, now what we're seeing a lot, you know, as healthcare professionals, I think in like, I, I do hear that about that a lot is like that kind of huge maximalist trend. And like, I get people who come in, they're like, my back is sore. I need more cushioning. And I'm like, you're already in the thickest shoe I've seen in my entire life. Like, <laughs> how can you get more cushioning? And I think people don't quite understand, like, cushioning right now is like associated with like better cushioning can be better but cushioning does isn't necessarily better I, there was a really interesting uh, article by a, a shop in austin called running rogue and they were saying like when it comes to running variety is the spice of life for mm -hmm, shoes mm -hmm. and i that's one of the things that i preach a lot for people who want to get more seriously into running and like you know start doing doubles or like ramping up mileage to like you know, 100Ks or more. I think it's like having multiple shoes that have multiple drops and multiple levels of cushioning is super, super important. There's actually solid science behind that. Dr. Reed yeah. Furbrad of the University of Calgary here has actually done some studies. Don't quote me on the numbers, but it was something like the runners with the least injuries, sorry, the most injuries averaged 1.7 pairs of shoes in a rotating basis. And the ones with the least injuries averaged 3.8, like almost four pairs of shoes on a rotating basis. Mm -hmm. And it's exactly that. It's the variety and that ability to adapt to multiple types of drops and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think, I think the, 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 the big message that even mm -hmm. as a retailer, we're trying to push is like the yes you don't know, having a hoka or having a really thick ultra or having which whatever it is that you find so pillowy and relaxing is a good idea but the same way as if you only run in barefoot shoes you'll probably have a bit of issues come up if you try to run a lot in that you're gonna have issues come up by by just always running in in, in that other extreme it's unfortunate that that the, the marketing is so strong how do you balance that aspect of it, like maybe what somebody comes in thinking that they need versus what maybe you as a physiotherapist and your training maybe think that they need? <laughs> I, I'm i a big believer that retail stores, especially specialty retailers, should be on top of the science mm -hmm. and on top of educating the clients. Yeah. The yeah. same way, you know, if, if someone comes in a store and, and they, they we were talking about spring gels, if they buy spring gels, well, they all have different calories or they all have different compositions. Um, you know, you talk about uh, fat versus carbs. You talk about how many calories an hour you can ingest depending on how much you train your gut. So why don't you just educate someone who has knee or hip or foot pain or whatnot about shoe selection? I, I think it's just as important as we tell people to put anti-chafe cream for long distances and to eat that many calories an hour, right? It should be the same thing. I think that unfortunately the running, like the shoe companies are like trying to drill that the message that what they do is the best so hard that, you know, the, the, the science doesn't matter at, at some point sometimes. Uh, and 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 that's that's the tricky part. It's like, oh, well, all my friends have that. How come you tell me I should get something different? It's always a bit tricky. Well, that, that's what's neat, I think, about like watching. I'm not at the store as often, but when I am watching the staff and customers will come in and say, oh, I want this shoe, uh, insert popular brand here. And they're like, okay. And then like, why? And it's like, oh, my friends wear it. And they're like, okay. And then like you bring it out because that's what they want. 
And then you bring out a few other shoes and they're like, oh, well, that feels really good too. And it's like, it almost feels better. And then you can sort of open up the conversation. So it starts off like, I came in for this. And then it kind of turns into all of this, uh, which I think is really unique. And then you build that trust as well as that trusted advisor, because you're you're making a um, a uh, an expert or, or a judgment in a, in a positive way uh, to help them as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, I could talk shoes all day. We can, <laughs> we've got so many other things we want to talk to you about. But yeah, I actually on um, to close the the shoe conversation loop. I was actually just curious on more logistical level. If in the last eighteen months to two years, have you had any supply issues um, with importing products? I know you you have a few brands in your store that are European. Have you had a hard time stocking your stores during COVID? Yes and no. I'd say we were lucky last year because the you know production always happens months and months before. So when COVID started in 2020, the, the products for that season were already pretty much good to go at the warehouses. Okay. So but last year, we didn't see that. This year, with the production happening during COVID, uh, it's a bit of a different story. So we, we are seeing like some issues. We have been seeing some issues for the past three, four months. The shoes haven't been so so bad um but uh, soft goods so try to find a running vest right now um mm-hmm. you know try to find uh, some apparel right now the the more kind of specialized soft goods are super super tricky this year and then you do have just the increase in participation in trail running is crazy yeah. um so you also have an an amazing increase in demand combined with like a little bit of a supply uh, you know chain issues uh so i think that just combines for a bit of issues this year but it's not mountain biking. Like, let's put it that way. You know, everybody's heard of like the, the crazy mountain bike kind of issues with trying to like find anything you can yeah. pedal with. Um, it yeah. hasn't been that bad at all. Okay. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. So we've talked about this a little bit, like that your store is almost um, as much of a resource for, for runners and skiers as it is a retail shop, right? And so let's talk maybe about some of the ways that you connect with your customers in that way to kind of enhance their their adventure experience. So what kind of in-person events or resources do you have to help them learn about the area and um, and some of the things to do around Canmore. I think um, our long runs are always a huge hit. Mm. Uh, in summer, we'll start them off. We'll do anywhere from 10 to 15k to distances like the rock wall in the in the 50s, uh, which is, is is tons of fun. And I think for us, we we said too is like there's the two schools of thought. One is there's 100 customers and every store is going over the same 100 customers. Uh, and then there's also the well, there aren't, well, there's more than 100 customers and let's encourage participation. So we've always wanted people to come to our store that maybe haven't done the sport as much um, and they're roadrunners, but they're like, I'm discovering trail, but it's too extreme, even though it's not. Uh, so we've, we've wanted to welcome those people in. And a lot of the people uh, that we've had in that joined some of our runs, they never would have thought they could run up uh, to the WAPTA and, and uh, uh, do Bohat, or they never thought they could do um, uh, ice line out in field or something like that. So that's, I think, tons of fun too, because their eyes are just like big and they're like, this is amazing. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. And you're like, cool, it is awesome. Uh, so I think like some, some of that really, I think, is a point that it, it hits deep for people and like, cause they connected with something they didn't know they could. So that's, I think a really fun part in, in, um, in summer for us in winter, our avalanche awareness nights and a lot of our intro nights in, in ski mountaineering really, um, I think, uh, fill the beta piece. Everyone skis, everyone does cool stuff, but 
no one shares the beta as if they're going to go back and ski the same line tomorrow. Uh, so I think it's fun to bring all of those people together and sharing what they know, sharing what slid, sharing the, the layers uh, to help educate as well. So those, I think, are some of the in-person events, which we moved to online uh, that helped a lot of our customers. And I think in support of that, we've had some really great partners uh, to create some great blog posts for us as well. Uh, and as well as well writing blog posts, being a physio um, to, to sort of fill in the gaps on people's knowledge or learning or just to share a cool story. We just featured Elizabeth Halleron uh, at a Banff and, and her marathon and she's going to do Boston uh, in a bit. So like it's fun to share some of those stories, too, where they're just like uh, people identify with it uh, as well. Right. Yeah, your blog actually is really, really good. And I even had a note to ask you guys who writes your blog posts, because there's some incredible literary skill in some of those posts. Is that mainly you, Joel? No. <laughs> um, so I, I write the, the kind of gear slash science pieces. Uh, but we were so lucky. So we have a, a, a writer uh, who helps us. Uh, we have actually two writers who help us. Uh, so Dave Robertson, who writes for CBC and and also uh, you know freelance, has been re- uh, doing a lot of the profile pieces, and he's amazing. Like Dave Robertson, like talking to him is like you can talk to him for twelve hours. Like he, he's just like the most. He's the best at asking questions and just like you know, listening to people and like kind of like paying attention to the the kind of unknown sort of like underground stories happening here and there. So it's been an amazing adventure to like see what he comes up with. Um, and then we have uh, Kevin Yurtas, who's a guide in Banff, who writes some of the ski pieces for us. So yeah, it's a bit of a collaboration of a bunch of people. Jumping on what Gavin just said, you know, the trail running is to road running, what backcountry skiing is to resort skiing Mm -hmm. when i go road running i have my favorite loop i know like if i do a workout one kilometer is like this exact post and i'm gonna get there in that much time and like you know i know exactly what their surface is gonna be like and there's no unknown and i think that one of the big the big things that personally i'd never realized is that backcountry skiing slash trail running is scary you get there you don't know the weather you don't know how long it's going to take. You don't know quite how far it is. You don't know what the trail is like. You don't know if you're going to encounter any wildlife. Like, it's really scary. But, you know, you come to it with, like, being a creature of habit. Like, I love a good, like, track or, like, K-Rep workout in the road where I can, like, put my little mark and do my, like, whatever, <laughs> right? So so I, I think, like, there's a lot of that kind of fear of, like, the unknown and being in an environment that you're not familiar with, which which when you get into it, you learn to really like. And, and you know, trail runners hate doing the same trail all the time. But I think by by also offering a lot of resources, like, we have a trail guide on the website that's basically just everything that we personally like to run and that we've run with the long runs with, with some proper running instructions. You know, it doesn't matter if the hike took six hours, like if you run it in an hour and a half, uh, well, then it's an hour and a half, um, mm-hmm. not a full day. So it helps people prepare a bit better. And also now with the watches and everything, just sometimes a GPX track to make sure you're at the right place and you're not lost in the middle of nowhere. We don't have cell phone reception in the mountains. So I think just yeah. giving people the tools to get out by themselves and make them maybe more self-sufficient is a is is a pretty big thing just to encourage people to go explore more interesting adventures. I definitely want to give a shout out to your trail guide because if you are not from Canmore and you happen to be coming into town for the summer, you know, for a week or so, I uh, last summer I came in for my own self-designed run camp because it was COVID and there were no races, so I just wanted 
I literally escaped and didn't know what I was going to do each day. I woke up and said, where am I going to go today? And I frequently logged into your site to go, oh, that looks like a good run. And you're right. The track was there. I was not from the area, but I felt fairly confident in where I was going because I had that GPS track on my watch. So um, go check it out if any of our listeners are, are... thinking that that might be something useful to them, we'll definitely put a link in our show notes to your your website and and you'll find it there. So thank you for doing all of that. I know those kind of posts don't come without a little bit of work and a little bit of homework. <laughs> Not just the actual posting, but actually getting out there and, and logging the miles and recording all the details. So that's a really valuable resource that, you know, like you said, all trails will tell you how long it takes to hike a trail, but it's totally different when you're running down, right? Versus hiking down. Yeah. And like you were saying, the, you know, the backcountry stuff um, Mm -hmm. is so, there's so many unknowns and it's a barrier for people to actually get out and do it. So what you're doing, it sounds like to me, is really helping people to bridge that gap a little bit and and just take that first step, which is so, 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 so important. Remove the barriers. Yeah. 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 All right, so let's shift gears a little bit here into let's talk a little bit more about the skiing part of of what you do in your store and even in your own recreational lives. So um, if if you're at all switched on in in um, what's going on in the world of trail and ultra running, there are a lot of mountain trail runners in places like Boulder or. Norway, the the famous (laughs) Kilian Journey, who spends a lot of time on skis in the winter as a way to to train, to cross train, as well as actually that was his first love with skiing. So, you know, in Canada, there's snow on the ground for a lot of the year. And, you know, in Winnipeg, I learned how to run really well on, um, on snowy trails in the cold. But I'm thinking that there's something I missed out on when it comes to backcountry skiing. So talk to us a bit about, since this is a running podcast, let's frame it from, from that lens. As a runner, how might I benefit from skiing in the winter? And what are some of the things that I might want to consider gear-wise, time-wise, just even training-wise? How would I integrate it into my run training? Talk to us a little bit about that. Back, like backcountry skiing or skimo, which is the kind of more racing kind of version of backcountry skiing, it is time spent on your feet. It is time spent weight-bearing, right? The one thing that you're taking out of the equation is impact. And it, it's, it's like running is such a high trauma, high stress sport for the body that, you know, why not just keep working on the aerobic engine and then just reduce that impact to be able to maybe do a bit more volume or do you know, some of the work that way. Uh, the same way as some people are going to swap with uh, Nordic skiing in the winter, the advantage of skimo or backcountry skiing is that you also have a couple pounds on your feet. So um, I hate strength training so much. I think a lot of runners hate strength training so much, but it's just, it's a natural way of you know, making your legs burn that you never get when you go running. So like just the benefits of like a bit of leg strengthening, reducing the impact to be allowed to do a bit more mileage or some of the easy hours, maybe, uh, you know, in a more gentle way for your body. And then, you know, keeping the intensity that's more specific to the running gait and just like the mechanics, keeping that running and then keeping a little bit of mileage, you know, let's say, 
cut in half or something like that and then do the rest like on on foot and shoes why not right I, I think it's like a win-win situation absolutely well you're kind of selling me on on skiing is is it do you uh, ski Carolyn a, a little bit skiing. a little bit but my question would be if you're in Winnipeg and there's not a lot of yeah. hills around here, is that the same kind of benefit that you're describing of doing the kind of backcountry stuff or the uphill? <laughs> um, that's what's going to make your legs burn, right? Like uphill work, you could easily go to Garbage Hill. True. Yes, you do a million repeats. <laughs> um, you could easily go to uh, Spring Hill or even just off to the side um, in, into the, um, the floodway there. Like that is very possible. Uh, you could easily uh, go out into, um, one search your, your small ski resort uh, and get that workout in for sure. Um, th- th- like those are ways, I think like the, the sort of like schemo or ski mountaineering, randoneering as they call it in, in Europe is basically backcountry skiing on skinnier skis that are a lot lighter. And you're basically doing the same sport uphill. Uh, if you're slogging away, walking uphill, you're slogging away, walking uphill on skis uh, or running uphill and you know they're serious. In summer, you have split shorts. In in winter, you have uh, schemo spandex outfits, right? So you know they're going to be serious about it. Uh, but it is basically the same sport just in winter. Uh, and it allows you to go uphill with the skins on your skis and do some races. So for us, we wanted to also help trail runners do that. Uh, and we formed Schemo Alberta or the Alberta Schemo Association to help people get out there. And there's some fun races at COP, uh, which you can do over two hours, as many laps as you can do. So something similar to Spring Hill, uh, Schemo race could be how many laps you do on Spring Hill. And then into mm-hmm. doing that at Norquay and doing it just like for 12 bucks or 15 bucks, I think we did with a $10 food voucher. So you kind of get into it in an easy way and still having a, a few beers afterwards with friends. Uh, but it is essentially the same sport. And I would say a lot uh, more outside of even Killian Jornet, a lot of the folks that win the trail races uh, in Europe are schema athletes uh, in, in winter, mm-hmm. but you just never hear about it because uh, it's a continuation of the sport in, in a very easy way. Yeah. And what about snowshoeing? Is it a similar benefit, would you say? I love snowshoeing. (laughs) Um, Well, I I think the whole idea is just to reduce the speed, add a little bit of weight for a bit more strength-oriented work, and then reduce the impact. So, you know, snowshoeing is basically the same idea. Uh, Like, you know, Quebec has got some amazing running, like running snowshoe races, and it's, it's a blast. And you can have like group workouts and stuff but you go on the groom trails and it's it's softer it forces you to go a bit slower Mm -hmm. so you're getting like a lot of good cardio work without all the impact and the speed and the pounding right and it it just it's a little bit more weight more weight underfoot so it's more muscle kind of like strength oriented right and you know gavin just said like for schemo it's I don't know. I, I tuned in on the UTMB live feed and it's all they talked about. It's mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, this schema mm-hmm. in the winter. Yeah. Like all the best European athletes do it. And right. we're seeing now even out, out east, like when uh, in Quebec, there's a really big uh, kind of, you know, uphill policy sort of uh, culture now and at the resorts and a lot of trail runners train by doing a lot of uh, just uphill work on skis instead. Well, you know, I've always, not always, I've, I've found that it's really hard living in Canada to do any kind of ultra marathon for me before May. I find I just can't get enough time on feet out of the snow until at least May. 
Um, that, and if I do, if I am running, you know, 30 milers in March or February, my back is killing me because of the, just the, the ground is frozen. Like it's minus 30 <laughs> and I'm out there running on this frozen ground. I don't care how good my technique is. My back hurts after all that cold weather running. And so this is really intriguing to me because I'm thinking there's gotta be another way to keep the fitness up. And there is, I mean, you've just mentioned that there's athletes all over the world that have already figured this out, that there is a way to train really efficiently in the wintertime time without beating your body up we've done some of that with some of the local running coaches as well put on like how to schemo what are you talking about yeah. when you talk about skins on skis uh, and like how do you work it all uh, so we've done some of that leading up to usually the the race at canada olympic park uh, uh, uh cop there um uh, just to help people understand what it is and we do have demo skis so if people want to take it out and go up sunshine uh the, the ski out you can definitely do that uh, as a as a way of sort of trying it out and, and sort of seeing how this could be the same sport as well because uh, it is hard to get into new sports and there's only so many hours in the day you can only have so many sports to do right well, there's that lowering the barrier to entry again, yeah. right? Like letting them try it out. And uh, that's, a, sure. that's a great idea. So what is next for your story? You mentioned earlier that you'd just gone through an expansion. Can you tell us a little bit about that and any uh, future plans that you have coming up? Uh, yeah, well, uh, Reynolds, <laughs> we, we just ended up being lucky uh, during COVID. Somehow we drew the, the card of outdoors retailer. And uh, that was uh, that was a really good card for just how busy we were. Um, and also, uh, if you have been to our space that was 900 square foot, uh, you know, it was very, very tight. So yeah, we, we since basically got the space next door. So now we have a 2,500 square foot space, mm-hmm. which looks a little bit less full but is getting there too. Um, but yeah, it's a lot more fun now to hang out and it, it's a lot more comfortable, um, you know, to work for the boot fitters and the people who fit shoes and also for our ski techs in the winter. So we do have a lot more space. So the future, I think, is going to be a lot of fun, a lot of, uh, you know, making uh, coffees up front at the bar for customers because we have a cafe now. And then uh, we're really hoping, yeah, (laughs) you know, coffee, running, maybe beer, right? Like what else could you want? Um, So yeah, um, the future is is definitely into like being that kind of one-stop shop hub that we wanted to be. And that at the start with the small space, it's hard because it's so tight that you can't really just hang out. But with the new space, it's going to be a lot more fun. So being able to, you know, just have people come back from their runs or their, their ski and just like discuss or, and chat with other groups and other people and share conditions update or how their day has been. So that's really what we're excited about this winter. I think that's brilliant. And we had a chance with the uh, extra space to put in a uh, massage slash physio uh, room in the back as well, uh, which we called Le Refuge uh, to sort of hit on uh, uh, Joelle's French roots uh, from Quebec. So I think it's really great uh, to do boot fitting as a physio to be the first in Canada, but to also have massage therapists can help you recover from that race or that run. And folks similar to our team that actually run and know how to do a massage for a runner. Uh, so I think that's been a big part of it as well. You really are a one-stop shop. <laughs> yeah. Joelle, you were also mentioning that you now have the space to potentially host some events and some speakers, guest speakers, information nights. Yeah. We used to um, have to rent spaces a lot. And, and while we, we probably will still keep partnering with other businesses in town for the bigger events, it, th- there's something about just, you know, having someone just come back from a really cool trip and you hear about it and you're like, 
wow, we should do something. And when something is like renting a space, renting chairs, rent, like, you know, it's so much logistics that now with a bigger space that we can easily accommodate 30 to 40 people, you know, you hear someone came back from a really cool race or something that he wants to talk about, you know, happy hour. Like, let's just discuss with a group of 30 with a beer. So I think that's going to be like, I'm really excited about experimenting that format because, you know, as, as you know, like, you know, small business owners, like you look all calm up above the water, but it's like, you know, the, the legs are pedaling like crazy under the water. And I think like having the opportunity to just do a bit more, like less planned events where we just like can just throw it on and then like yeah. just to have it for fun is going to be really, really interesting. And, and I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah. Well, you got the coffee shop. Now you have to do the brewery. Well, we, we've added in, uh, we, we've applied, we've applied beer and cider on tap. So okay. uh, hopefully putting in a kegerator as well. So it should be oh. fun. And kombucha. Kombucha. Yes. Oh, there you go. We, we've actually had a, 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 had a chance to pick up some of the local, um, from, um, uh, what is it in Calgary? Uh, their non-alcoholic beer, which is quite good from village. Uh, Jim Button does a great, great product. And I think it's kind of nice to be able to come back and have like a nice to tonic as well. So it's good. That's awesome. So um, before we end the podcast, we we always like to ask our guests five rapid fire questions. And we've kept you guys here long enough. We're going to keep these super rapid fire. I thought we'd alternate. We'll start with with Gavin and then we'll go Joel and then we'll go Gavin. We'll just go back and forth. We just want basically a quick answer to the following questions. Are you guys ready to go? Sure. Yes. Okay. Gavin, what is your favorite running mantra? You either ran today or you didn't. I think it's an old Nike one. Love it. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Next question. Uh, this one's for Joel. Um, favorite place to run? Yeah, Chamonix is really special. Uh, it's it's all what like that the Rockies here are, but with you know so much more trail work and just so much more um, like easy access. Yeah, it's it, running in the Alps is really really special. Oh, I can't wait. I was supposed to be there last week. Okay. Uh, this question is for Gavin. Do you have a bucket list race? I got to say UTMB. And I, there's a lot of prep that's going to go into that because I think it's like the Super Bowl of of trail running, maybe even more so with the new owners and, and some of the trail races to get in. But yeah, UTMB, that's like, that's it. All right. Joelle, do you have a favorite running book or movie? On, on the science side, I read The Science of Running by Steve Magnus this year. And I wish I had read it 10 years ago. It is great. One eh? of my favorite. It's actually on my nightstand right now. For a self-coached like runner who wants to experiment, uh, it nothing beats that that book. Yeah, yeah, couldn't agree more. 100% agree. All right, Gavin, we'll finish off with you. What is your favorite post-run indulgence? Post-run indulgence? You know, like you're standing around the car or something like that, and it's a group run, uh, like having a beer uh, with friends. I think it's probably less about the beer, but more just about like, you're just chatting with friends. Everyone suffered the same. Uh, everyone has mud on them. You're 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 covered in sweat and, and salt, and like it's perked. Like it's just hanging around with friends. Mm. That's awesome. I uh, couldn't agree with you more. So there's so many things that we could have talked about. We still have to talk about. Maybe we'll have to get you guys on the podcast again sometime at a later date, but thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it was really interesting to hear both a little bit more about you individually, as well as your store. So if you can just give your, your store a final plug here, or even yourselves personally, where can people find you if they wanted to find out more about you and what you guys are doing? 
I would say give the shop a call, uh, 403-675-HILL or runuphill.ca or skiuphill.ca. And I think you'll find a friendly voice on the end of the phone. And if somebody wanted to join one of your group runs, what's the best way to find out what's happening when and where? Yeah, we work uh, quite a bit with Facebook. So we do try to post as much as possible on social media what's happening. But if you have a lot of events, it ends up being a lot of stuff posted. So we do have a group called Run Up Hill Trail Crew. So if you're ever in the area and you want to know what's going on, we post in that group uh, everything that's happening for group runs instead of just posting publicly because it, it just makes a lot of runs. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Like I said again, and you guys have a great evening. Thanks. It was a blast. Awesome. Thank you very much.